0: Thanks for joining us at the Montrose Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at montrosechurch.org. Have a great day. So good, so good. Hey, good morning, church. My name's Colton. I'm the high school pastor, and I'm so excited to be here with you. We're going to be doing um, part four of our new series, Rooted in Hope. Pastor Dave's been going through this series, and it's been a lot of fun. We've been diving into the book of Romans, a deeply theological book that Paul wrote for us. And uh, Romans 8 is what we've been diving into. And so I'll give you the text right now, so you can go grab that Bible, or get the U version Bible app ready to go. Here it's Romans 8:22 through 25. Romans 8:22 through 25. So we're going to be looking at that in a second here. Uh, before we jump into that text, we need to talk about one thing, and that is ice cream. Ice cream. So a question for all of you tuning in right now is, what's your favorite kind of ice cream? All the flavors. My favorite kind of ice cream is from Baskin-Robbins, and it's called Pralines and Cream. Pralines and Cream. It's incredible. I love it so much. Probably way too much. Um, but so, you know, after dinner, Shaley and I will be hanging out, and... I'll kind of look at her and say, hey, is it ice cream time? Is it time to go get some Baskin Robbins? She's like, yes, we go. And then every time I'm there, I have to get at least a two scoop of that pralines and cream. I have to. And I get it and then I crush it. And then afterwards, I'm always finding myself doing one of these, oh, this kind of groan, right? What have I done? I ate that a little too fast and probably a little bit too much. Dinner was only 20 minutes ago. So if you ever done that with dessert or, or ice cream, or maybe the Thanksgiving feast, right, the big meal, you find yourself eating way too much food, and then you find yourself groaning, oh, a little too much food, um, you got the, maybe the food baby going on, or you're in the food coma, sometimes they talk about that, um, groaning, and so I bring up groaning because groaning actually shows up twice in our text for this morning, it shows up twice, And so we have this fun, kind of lighthearted type of groans that when we eat a little bit too much or or parents, you know this, maybe during quarantine, your kids have been groaning because they're so, so bored. There's nothing to do, right? Some of that type of groaning. So we have those types of groans, but then we also have a very serious uh, groaning that happens all around us because of things like uh, pain and death and suffering and all those things have been a reality for a long time and it seems like especially in 2020 the definition of groaning is this to make a deep inarticulate sound in response to pain or despair a deep inarticulate sound in response to pain and despair it's this response to something that's going wrong and so knowing all this as we talk about groaning let's dive into the text for this morning romans 8 22 through 25. So the title of today's message is The Hope of New Creation Over Groaning. The Hope of New Creation Over Groaning. And the first point is this, the whole creation groans. Paul tells us that creation is groaning. It's responding to its pain and despair. And in the first century when Paul is writing this, it was not such a beautiful time. There was pain, there was ugliness, there was all those things just like it is now. And so he knows about the groans that are around him. He, know that creation, he knows that creation is groaning. And not just from a, from a zoomed out view of our world, but also inwardly. He says in verse 23, inwardly we groan as we long for the redemption of our bodies. Okay, so where did all this groaning come from? It's fractured, imperfect. We know it's crazy around us, but where did all this come from? And if you know the narrative of the Bible, you know that we have to go to Genesis. We have to go to Genesis 1 to dive into this and get a little picture of why everything is so fractured. So Genesis 1, 1 through 3. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Boom, God creates. Genesis 1, 1 through 3. The creator of the universe speaks and everything begins to mold into shape a beautiful picture. So God continues to create. He creates some animals, uh, some fish, all those things. And let's skip forward to this sixth day when God creates humanity. Verse 26 and 27 of Genesis 1. Then God said, let us make humankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures and move along the ground. So God created humankind in his own image. The image of God, he created them male and female, he created them. The pinnacle of God's creation is humanity. It's us. And God says it's good, not just good, but very good. And then he blesses Adam and Eve. But you know the story, we can't stop there. So let's jump to Genesis 3. And we're given this serpent, snake kind of character, this Satan character. And scripture tells us that he's crafty and he begins to talk to Eve, to deceive Eve. Eve you know God didn't really say you couldn't eat from that tree you're not gonna die if you eat from the tree actually your eyes will be opened if you eat from that tree and you know how the story goes Eve gives in she eats from the fruit and gives some to Adam and then God finds them in the garden they're hiding from God they're trying to hide from God Uh, you can't really hide from God you know but they're trying and God says this to Adam in Genesis three seventeen through 19. Because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you. And you will eat the plants of the field by the sweat of your brow. You will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from it you be, were taken, for dust you are, to dust you will return. This is the fall, God gives Adam and Eve a beautiful paradise, co-creators with God, dominion over creation, an incredible job they had. Can you imagine walking with God in the cool of the day in the garden? But the tree is there in the middle and they are given a choice and they are deceived and then they choose to eat from the fruit. Creation as we know it fractured imperfect and the groans begin the groans begin Romans 5 12 therefore just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin in this way death came to all people because all sinned we are a people church who groan and it's gotten a little realer in 2020 and COVID and all this stuff and we groan and we long for the redemption of all creation and, as we look at Scripture, we know that the redemption of all creation is coming. It's coming. Point number two, the whole creation is made new. The whole creation is made new. Paul writes about this right before our text for this morning. Pastor Dave uh, read this one last week as he talked about suffering. romans eight twenty and twenty one. For the creation was subjugated. Subjected, excuse me, to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and the glory of the children of God. Paul says our hope is in creation being liberated from its bondage of decay. We have an amazing hope in the final new creation that God will bring. And John talks about this new creation in Revelation 21, 1 through 5. A beautiful text. Maybe you've heard it before. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. And he will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. John gives us this beautiful image of new creation, the ultimate creation. No more death, no more pain, no more groans. And church, we cling to the hope for this eternity, this eternity. Redemption that will take place. We cling to that hope that that is someday coming. One quick insight to that Revelation 21, uh, one through five text. Actually, uh, specifically the first verse of that. Revelation 21, one. Let me read it again. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I want you to underline that little part. There was no longer any sea. Kind of a weird little saying. Have you ever noticed that before? No longer any sea. What's John talking about? Is he saying there's not going to be any oceans or waters in eternity? Like, what's going on here? I think this is really cool, but to understand this, we have to actually go back to something we've read this morning already. Genesis 1, 1 through 3. So we're going from, from the end of the Bible to the beginning of the Bible the full narrative. I love it. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So this Genesis 1 through one and 1 through 3 text, to understand kind of what John is getting at in Revelation 21, I think we need to understand two Hebrew words. Two Hebrew words. The words are this, tohu and bohu. Tohu and bohu. Kind of son- funny sounding words. But we translate them formless and empty or formless and void. Now the earth was tohu and bohu. Darkness was over the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Tohu and bohu. But if we understand tohu and bohu, it's they really represent chaos. A good Hebrew translation would be these are kind of twin words for Chaos. And so the chaos is in the beginning, the formless and empty, and then God begins, the Ruach of God, the spirit of God begins to breathe and create amazing things, right? But these twin chaos words are always associated with deep waters or seas. Because in the ancient world, the sea was a scary place. It still is now. But especially back then, ships would go out and never come back, the power and the destruction and the chaos of the oceans and the seas. So, knowing that, we jump back to John's little verse in Revelation twenty-one, one, and there was no longer any sea. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. There was no longer any sea. So, what he's saying is the first he- the, excuse me. So, what he's saying: the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. There was no longer a sea. He's saying there's no more chaos. There's no more destruction in new creation. And church, that's good news. It gives a little bit of depth to that. There was no longer any sea. He's not saying there's not gonna be any oceans or waters, but there will no longer be any chaos. And we've had a lot of chaos lately. So it's good news for us. So we long for this new creation. But as I'm talking about all this new creation, you know that we aren't there yet cult we're not really there yet. We still have the groans around us, the fractured, imperfect creation. We live in this middle. Creation fractured, the new creation to come. But what we know because of Jesus' resurrection is, is not only is the new creation just out there someday, but it's also breaking in. It's breaking in and out of our lives. We kind of talk about this sometimes as the already, but not yet. The new creation, that kingdom of God is not fully here yet, but it absolutely is breaking out among us. A good way to kind of understand this is um, a spring day in Denver, Colorado, where I'm from. When the calendar date hits spring, uh, it's, it's spring and the weather's supposed to be great. But as you know, in places like Denver, um, Sometimes you have the really cold weather. The temperature will drop below 30 and uh, it'll snow a lot. So it's technically spring, but you still have the remnants of winter. That's kind of how it is with where we are now with the creation. So we have this tension, this in-between space. Fractured creation, the groans around us, new creation in the future, but also breaking in and out around us. And, church, we are called to be participants of that new creation breaking out. While we live in this space between, we are called to be participants in that new creation. And so, hear me clearly when I say that what you do now as Jesus followers matters. It deeply matters. Sometimes we can get so focused and locked in on the fractured creation around us, the pain, the suffering, and we kind of say, hey, what is, this? what is all this for? What are we doing? Is this really worth it? It absolutely is worth it. Because as Jesus followers, what we do is not in vain. We are called to be participants in the new creation. N.T. Wright, a theologian who I love, gives this awesome quote about our work as Jesus followers in his book, Surprised by Hope. I think we're able to get it on the screen here. I think G's able to get that up on the screen. But I want you to see this quote because it's such an amazing quote. And powerful quote. And N.T. writes, talking about our work as, as Jesus followers. You're not oiling the wheels of a machine that is about to fall over a cliff. You're not restoring a painting that's shortly going to be thrown in the fire. You're not planting roses in a garden that's about to be dug up for a building site. You are, strange though it may seem, accomplishing something which will become, in due course, part of God's new world. Every act of love, gratitude, and kindness... Every work of art or music inspired by the love of God and delight in the beauty of his creation, all of this will find its way through the resurrecting power of God into the new creation which God will one day make. What we do in Christ and by the spirit in the present is not wasted. It will last all the way into God's new world. In fact, it will be enhanced there. It will be enhanced there. I love that quote because N.T. Wright helps us see the church, as Jesus followers, what we do right now is not in vain. The new creation pieces that we are able to be a part of will find its way into the redemption of all things, God's new world. Every time you show forgiveness, give away kindness, stand up for justice, fight for the marginalized, every time we pour out our energies on our passions and our families, it matters. It matters. And it will find its way into the new creation. It's not in vain. And if, if I wanna simplify that a little bit with my final point, number three. The whole creation has sample spoons. The whole creation has sample spoons. So we're in this in-between, this uh, fractured creation, that we're a part of the groans, new creation to come, And it's also breaking in and out among us, and we're called to be a part of that. And so uh, I I talked about ice cream in the beginning of this and how much I I love ice cream and and Baskin-Robbins ice cream, pralines and cream. And so I want to talk about Baskin-Robbins again, but this time I want to talk about their famous little pink spoons. Their famous little pink sample spoons. See if the guys can kind of get a little zoom in shot of this. See this little guy? I tried to go get a bunch yesterday and they wouldn't let me, COVID, you know. Um, But I love these little spoons. But when we're talking about being participants of new creation, I think this is the perfect illustration and example for our lives is we are called to be little pink sample spoons of God's new creation. Because you know, when you go to Baskin Robbins, and in different ice cream places, right? There's so many options, tons of different options. And so it was pre COVID of course, but you get the sample spoon. You're like, yeah, let me try that, try that, try that. And you want to try a bunch because you don't want to get the wrong one. You want to get the best one. And so if you go to Baskin Robbins, of course, you know, you try a few until you land on pralines and cream, and then you get that one. But you get a little foretaste of what's to come. When you get the sample, you get the foretaste of the, the double scoop or whatever. Just like that is with ice cream, we are called to be a foretaste of the kingdom, the new creation, with our very lives as Jesus followers. So when people meet us, they get a glimpse of the new creation. We love fiercely, we give grace, we show mercy, we live holy, we fight for justice. We give people a foretaste of the kingdom with our very lives. And just like when you get a little bit of Baskin-Robbins, the little sample at the ice cream place, you say, I want a little bit more of that. People would say that about us as Jesus followers. Man, I want a little bit more of that. I want a little bit more of that new creation. So as we are caught in the groans, the fractured creation, new creation coming, new creation breaking out too, we're called to be sample spoons of Christ's goodness. But unlike ice cream, Um, our work as Jesus followers of being new creation agents, it doesn't just go away. It doesn't just go away. Because when you go to the ice cream shop and you get the little scoop and you get the sample, you get what you want, and then you crush the double scoop or whatever, it's gone. It's gone. But as Jesus followers, our work, right, going back to that N.T. right quote, our work as Jesus followers never goes away. It will make its way into the redemption of all things. You are not oiling the wheels of a machine that is about to fall over a cliff. You're not restoring a painting that's shortly going to be thrown in the fire. You're not planting roses in a garden that's about to be dug up for a building site. You are, strange though it may seem, accomplishing something which will become in due course part of God's new world. New world. So friends, we're called to be sample spoons. And here's what I'm convinced of is that um, whether we like it or not, we will be sample spoons of something. We will. And I think there's only two options. We're either sample spoons of God's new creation, right? And that's the calling on our lives. Or we get locked in and focused on fractured, imperfect creation around us. And then we, get, we become sample spoons of the brokenness around us and the imperfect creation. So I think there's only two options and we are challenged and called as Jesus followers to be samples and examples of new creation. New creation. I want to invite the the band back up. Come on up, guys. That flew by. (laughs) I want you to to let this, this little image of this little spoon burn into your minds. And, and maybe, you know, after COVID or whatever, we can get a bunch of these and pass them out or you can go get some and put them around your home or, or maybe put them on your desk at work uh, just to remind yourself, hey, I'm called to be a sample of a new creation. I'm called to show people every time they encounter me a little bit of Christ and his goodness that we would be sample spoons of of Christ. And church, the crazy thing is, is just like every uh, sermon, is we can't do this on our own. We can't. We can't. We can't be awesome sample spoons of Christ and his new kingdom on our own. We can't do it. But we cling to the fact that Jesus is working among us. The Spirit is in this room, and it's in the room wherever you're at Working and empowering us and encouraging us and energizing us to be good examples and samples of the new creation. The Spirit's working. And so with the Spirit's help, I'm praying that we can be good samples of Christ's new creation. So church, we hope for that future glory to come uh, one day when The tears will be gone. The suffering, the death will be gone. Uh, We hope for that, but we also hope for this transformation now that can take place, this new creation breaking out in our lives. So the challenge for us is to be sample spoons. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for this morning. Thanks for this quick sermon about creation, God, and how it's fractured and imperfect and the groans around us, the chaos, But God, we know that new creation is coming, the redemption of all things is coming, but we're caught in this in-between. We're caught in this tension of of being in-between. So as we are in this space, would we be sample spoons of your goodness, God, of your new creation? Would we be ambassadors of your new creation, God? Would we love fiercely? Would we show grace to people? Would we fight for justice? Would we love our community well and be sample spoons of your goodness, Jesus? And with your spirit we can. In your precious name we pray, amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us at the Montrose Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.montrosechurch.org. Have a great day.